whatsoever. This is not gonna work. No. How long can we be stupid before we get in trouble? We're stupid every episode, all episodes. I'm like the all least right. of. I have no authority. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 17th episode of this supposed to be 30 minute but never 30 minute board gaming podcast called the Tuesday Night Podcast, as a matter of fact. My name is SBJ. I am the unfortunate host of this terrible show, and we have Alan with me. Hey, I'm Alan. Fortunately, I'm not the host of this. You have all the power, SBJ. You just gotta use it. I don't. I couldn't control your movie talk last week. I will finish what you started. And that lovely voice was Sean. Hey, I'm Sean. The other half of Tuesday Night Games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have another guest with us today. We have uh, Jeremiah from the Theology of Games. Uh, theology of Games. Oh, I'm sorry. There's no the, but I guess we are the only one. Uh, I don't know how that works. <laughs> For a second, I thought you were saying it wasn't the ology of games. And I was like, I don't the, think you said that. <laughs> the ology of games. The ology. I don't know what an ology is, but we can go with that too. Hi, everybody. I'm Jeremiah. Uh, you've heard me once before on this podcast during the holiday. I can't do that thing that you Spectacular. do. Spectacular. There it is. <laughs> or did you, Sean? Hmm? Oh, busted. I did might have I? skipped. I might have no, skipped I did not. those episodes because they were very Star Wars heavy. They were. Okay. Yeah. That's those were the ones I missed. Uh, we have a. Hopefully a good episode for you guys. Last week's episode was kind of heavy, especially near the end, and hopefully this will be a little lighter, a little more enjoyable. <laughs> well, Don't I count mean, on it. Well, wait, they're all enjoyable. <laughs> it's up for debate still. <laughs> um, so we have our table, table talk where we talk about what we've been playing, and then we're actually probably going to have a little bit longer interaction satisfaction based on uh, what we talked about last week, which was internalistic... Or, um, what was that? Journalistic, journalistic integrity. In, I was thinking internalistic journalism. <laughs> Mix those up. Not sure what that means. I'll show you later. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> and uh, since we have Jeremiah here, uh, he reviews games, and so he's going to give us some insight on how he does things. And now, we'll for put- our listeners at home, you know that we curse a lot on the show, and Jeremiah, because you're on our podcast, you have to curse a lot. Curses and swears. There you oh, go. Boy. We gotta keep it edgy. Otherwise, the kids turn it's it like off. The tweens. Blood from a stone. I've hung out with Jeremiah enough, and I can't think of one actual swear that I've ever heard him drop. Ever. He says a lot of funny stuff. Quotes a lot of Beavis and Butthead. You can hold that against him. <laughs> but he's like a hard PG thirteen. Like you think he's saying worse stuff than he really is. If you break it down. <laughs> Uh, it's like he just made a really dirty joke. Well, it wasn't that dirty. Shut up, I mean. Davis. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I do live on the edge sometimes. No, I, uh, <laughs> I, I try to keep a civil tongue. I suppose he's the only one of us that has children. Where do you keep it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why did I know that was gonna? Anyway, <laughs> I'll see what I can do, but I might be disappointing in that in that arena this evening. All right, that's fair. Uh, before we, I'm going to do a shameless plug, Alan. Do it. Because I know you're, you, you have, you'll have commentary. Uh, 
By the time this episode is already out, because it comes out on Tuesday night, you will have endorsed the Nazi Party. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, My uh, other podcast, it's super effective, which is a Pokemon podcast. Uh, it will have have celebrated its two hundredth episode. Bicentennial! Woo! Wow! Congrats! Yeah, thank you. So very excited. We're going to be doing a like live podcast on Twitch. You're going to talk to actual Pikachu. Shake his hand. That's if he can escape my basement. And so, yeah, that's very exciting. So that's awesome. That's huge. Yeah, I have a great anecdote for you that I was so excited to share with you, SBJ. This just happened today, the time of this recording. You ready for this little story? Because it totally involves you. I'm ready. So, as you all know, my secret identity is that of a professor of psychology, and it's the first week of the semester. Second class was today, and I walk in, and I see one of my students playing a Nintendo DS. Was it, was it a 3DS or a DS? It was a 3DS. Oh, Sorry. Was it a 3DS it definitely... or a new 3DS? Can you get it right? You're <laughs> For the screwing love of the story. God, it doesn't matter. Was he it was an playing XL with a doohickey that went not beep up loop. <laughs> anyway, I, I, said, with R2-D2? I said, hey, nice doohickey there. The thing in your hands that's playing electronics. Uh, what are you playing? And his answer was, I'm playing Pokemon. And I said, which one? And he said, Ruby Sapphire. Is that right, SBJ? Uh, Alpha Ruby Omega Sapphire. Yeah, those are the newest games. Yeah, so he Whoa. was playing that <laughs> or one of those. <laughs> and I said, oh, do you listen to any Pokemon podcasts? And he said, Actually, yeah, I do. Said, so, do you listen to It's Super Effective? He said, yeah, I, I do. Said, well, who's your favorite? SBJ, Will, or Travis? And he said, I honestly don't have a favorite yet. Why do you ask? Said, well, I listen to It's Super Effective as well. I was like, really? I was like, yeah. And SBJ is the host of my, my company's <laughs> podcast, Tuesday Night Games. So he hosts Tuesday night podcast. He's like, what? I've been wanting to listen to that. That's yours? It's like, well, it's all of ours. But yeah, I'm on it. And SBJ hosts that podcast. And he oh. crapped his pants right there. Yeah. In class. <laughs> he just totally took his clothes off right there. And uh, long story short, I don't have a job anymore, guys. So uh, no, but, make more games. <laughs> yeah. The student's name was Louie. And I asked him if I could tell this story. I was like, yeah, I'd be honored. So yeah, Louie's totally a big fan of that's it's sweet. Super- Louis, hopefully soon. Louis, uh, this is a shout out to you. If you hear this podcast, I want you to go up to Alan and say "fluffle buns" next time you see him in class, and that's how we'll know, know that you've listened Alan, to it. Alan, Sean, yeah, it's, it's Professor, Professor Dickwad or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it's written on the back of those desks. So, are you a doctor? Is that or no? No, yet? I didn't okay. get my PhD. That's uh, another story for another day. Doctor Gerding's right. my father. Sorry. I didn't Gerding? not go to medical school just so you can call me Dr. Girding. <laughs> I'm going to start asking that people call me Dr. Uh, McCoy. I like um, it. Yeah. It rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Star Trek, baby. Right. <laughs> oh, that was a good story, Alan. I appreciate it. No problem. That's really cool. Hey, do you have any tips for making it to 200 episodes? Ooh. You usually have to That's uh, rough. get rid of guests or other people on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Rotate new ones in. Otherwise, he'll go crazy. Yeah, I hear you. No, I think I think why my podcast was successful is I didn't rely on a 
like early permanent cast and 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 mostly because i like to like control and do everything and i don't want to depend on somebody else to like pull their weight because if they don't then all of a sudden the vision i had falls apart so when i throughout the almost six years i've been doing it's super effective if if you like listen it's almost like 30 or 50 episodes there's like two new main co-hosts and that was more of like people like their life change changes and since you know most almost everyone podcasts for free it's not like i'm giving them a paycheck to show up every week it's just they show up because they want to show up and if life changes that's cool i need a backup plan and so i always have a lot of different people to choose from when i do the episodes and the most like the last 50 or even 80 have been mostly will and travis and travis has probably been around the longest out of all of them but it's because he's reliable and stuff so that helps it's also insane how much Pokemon news there is. That last episode had so much Pokemon news. It was insane. Yeah, it's super crazy. <laughs> it's it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Will Pokemon ever die? Uh, this is their 20th anniversary. So, uh, and they're Pokemon doing this. Pokemon don't die. They just yeah. like faint. Yeah, they, they just faint. evolve. Hey guys, nope. train on. <laughs> yeah, train on is their slogan for this year. It's sort of... Before we move into Table Talk, it's their 20th anniversary, and they're actually doing a Super Bowl ad this year, and as Alan said, like, the last podcast was, like, nothing but news, just because they're dropping all this information to get people excited for their 20th anniversary, and I think their goal this year is to really, like, bring back those people who, bring back that, like, era of 1998, 1999, where, like, Pokemon was everywhere, and it was, like, the big fad on the block before, like, Razor Scooters came in. And so I think they're just yeah, trying to recapture trying to do that. that all the time. <laughs> Razor scooters. Okay, uh, let's move right into table talk. It's time for the table talk. And I uh, have a short list of nothing that I've been playing, but I know Alan makes up for it. Uh, I've been playing a bunch, but. I'll limit it to these three. I played Lifeboat, which is a game from, I think, 2012. So it's it's dated, but it's classic. Telestrations, which is just the box version of Eat Poop, You Cat. And last but not least, uh, Dead Man's Draw. And I'm willing to elevator pitch any of those three. It's up to you guys which one you want me to elevator pitch if you'd like. Life is that lifeboat or lifeboats? Because those are different games. Lifeboat, one word. Lifeboat, singular form. Lifeboat, yeah, that's the one where you have like the the person you love, the person you hate. Oh yeah, this sounds like an elevator pitch to me. Yeah, no, you should because I can I can speak to this game because I love this game. Yeah, it's a great game, and I think it's worth talking about, even though it's dated. So, uh, uh, I who should I be? I got one. I got one. Okay. Is this is who I am or this, who I'm with? This is a little dated, but you're you're pitching this <laughs> to somebody, okay, that that is a Star Wars fan that what? thinks every word that's coming out of your mouth is a spoiler. Okay. That's I'm totally not I'm going to crash and burn on this one as usual, pretty much. Okay. Uh I'm ready. I'm ready. Ding me, SBJ. 
Here we are in an elevator. No, we are in a lifeboat. Yes, there's six of us in here and we are looking for land. Will this elevator ever shush down? I'm not ruining anything. I don't know if there is going to be land or not. That's something we're going to start discover together. So calm down. You don't know what's going to happen because each of us loves someone. Each of us hates someone. And what we want eventually is the person we hate to die before we find land on this lifeboat lost at sea. And the people we love, we want to live by the time we find land. But here's the horrible thing. We're on this lifeboat slash elevator. Shush, this, I, I'm not giving anything away here. It's a surprise. All I know is that barrels show up and some of them have water, some of them have provisions, but some have treasure like jewels. So the player at the end Ding. of the game, Damn it! <laughs> when you said treasure, I thought you were gonna say tarantulas. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really... sure what you were expecting. Did you want me to actually like put in like rancors and stuff in there? Or? No, I, I think you pulled it off. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, you don't have to blow smoke up my ass, but I appreciate it. <laughs> no, that. I think I, I think you pulled it off, and you were actually almost done explaining the game. So I was. I was, was pretty yeah. close. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I love this game uh, because the truth be told, this last Tuesday. I had an, my basically a former babysitter contacted me on Facebook out of nowhere and said, hey, it's my son's 14th birthday and he's really into board games. You want to come over and show him some board games because she had been seeing my Facebook and knew I was into board games. I couldn't. So she came over from for Tuesday night and brought her entire brood. Nice. Yes. And conveniently, there was actually uh, eight of them. But so... Some of them didn't play, but there were six of us, which is the ideal player count for this game. And they had so much fun. So it was really cool playing with these kids uh, and uh, their mom, my former babysitter, basically. <laughs> really cool game. And I've played it once before, probably about five years ago. Let me tell you, this is going to be hitting my table way more often, especially since it's in my memory bank now and I can teach it really smooth and nice like. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's a uh, pretty simple game. The I, I've I learned a really valuable lesson from Lifeboat. That is, don't be a dick to your friends. No, that's that's obviously given. not. So Lifeboat, I think, and I don't know if you are going to agree with me or not. I think it's super cutthroat. Oh, so you think it causes a lot of animosity? You uh, know what? That could be the case, and that's usually a killer for me because as soon as a game promotes bad feelings, <laughs> I won't like it and maybe i was just very blessed uh, for lack of a better word to have such an affable friendly group that even though there was this go back and forth it was all fun and light and no one's feeling seemed to be getting hurt yeah so the, i could see you're right it does have the potential to be to really cause some anger the and and i'm cool with cutthroat games and i play i actually played this i i don't play a lot of games with my family just because my family's really we've talked about this my family sucks but I've played Lifeboat with them, and they all really liked it a lot, which is awesome because I like Lifeboat a lot. But the lesson I learned is when I first taught Lifeboat, I didn't know the rules that well. So when you're speaking of a game that is more like cutthroat, more like I, I need this person to die, I need this person to live, it, when, when you're like struggling to make sure the rules are right, people get really mad because they want things to work in their favor. And that could go for like most games but 
in a game that's so I, I feel like the competition level in Lifeboat's just a little bit up there because you have your own individual hidden agenda. I, I kind of like I my the lesson I learned was if a game is more cutthroat, like I just go over the rules like one or two times more or bring it to a group that isn't so competitive. Because I think that like that's the competitiveness on top of like the game already having that kind of cutthroat nature. It really like that is when it turns into like a, oh, I don't want to play this game anymore because, uh, yeah, I think that is a good disclaimer to say that you got, you have to play it with the right group. I would say in there in its defense, there's someone that you hate that you're trying to hurt, but there's also someone that you love that you're trying to help. So it can garner this type of teamwork thing. Right. There's a little balance to that. A little balance. I think you're totally right. SBJ, like any game like that, where, it is cutthroat and somebody has to lose bad for you to win. Oh, uh, it, the last thing you want to do is, is have somebody go, well, I didn't know I could do that. Or I didn't know that's how it worked. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, you know, it's coming as soon as you're like, boom, I won. Ha, I got it. You know? Yeah. I've totally had that experience and, and people get all honked off. And that like, may have been the advantage this group had is that we were in the same boat together. <laughs> hey! is that we had no none of us were fresh on the rules most i would think i was the only one that had played before and yeah. it had been five years so i don't remember any of the little niche rules at all so we we're all just going with it yeah totally i'm curious then to try desert island which is the kickstarter we both did you get your kickstarter Alan? i did i did that's okay. why i played it i i contacted them and they said yeah sorry about that we ran out after our podcast because i was pissed i was like what the hell you already have it I, what so i contacted them as soon as we were done recording and they sent it out post haste they said there were some hiccups because they had to wait for lifeboat because i got the package that came with lifeboat oh, and okay. expansions as well so very cool um you know what? And I should do the uh, it justice. I should say uh, the stats. So this the designer is Jeff Sidek or Sidek. I'm not sure how to pronounce the name, but it's from Gorilla Games. It's from 2002 and it plays four to six players. We're always supposed to mention those stats just so people are yeah, find it. I would I would mention with that that it really only plays six. Like, yeah, yeah. No more situations where you would want to play five or four. It just kind of it's just no it's not preferred just don't do it i haven't played one of the expansions i don't know if they add more characters or not but six was a dream boat <laughs> and also a lifeboat yeah sean have you been playing anything this week i played uh talisman guillotine and exploding kittens three of the best games ever designed by man do you want to talk more in depth about one of them or I'll talk about Talisman for a second. You guys ever played Talisman? I have not. I have not, but I have the app. I haven't played it. What I've heard about Talisman is it's old, takes forever, but it has a very classic feel to it. Oh, this is like a giant RPG with a bajillion expansions, right? Yeah, it's kind of like Candyland in the fantasy world. <laughs> not that Candyland's not in a fantasy world, but you know. Wait, Candy's candy not yeah, real? Yeah, Talisman is a pretty typical, you know, <laughs> you roll a die and you move in that direction and then you go to a place and you fight a card and you get treasure and you try to get to the top and kill everybody else. Whoa, 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 whoa. This sounds like an elevator pitch. This sounds it? like an elevator pitch, yeah, Sean. Totally. How dare you? He, how, he tried to get by. How dare you? All right. You ready for an elevator pitch for Talisman, Sean? Sure. <laughs> All right. The resentment. 
you, I don't know if you have a passenger or not, but you are an old miner going God damn down. It. <laughs> no, uh, uh, someone else give him something because I'm obviously I'm I'm not good at. This. I used my one good idea. I, um, man, the only thing I can think of that would be like the complete opposite of talisman would be like a like a suit, just a guy in a suit, business guy doesn't play games. Okay. All right, Sean, you think you can handle that one? Yeah, I think I can handle being a business guy who doesn't play games. That's pretty much my job. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so be Sean McCoy. <laughs> All right, listen, kid. You have this game, Talisman. They've moved a lot of units, put out a bunch of expansions. Really, sort of an evergreen title, but here's the thing. The game plays shit. And if it proves anything, it's that if you slap a fantasy game on an old school game, you pretty much have a title that'll last forever, all right? You all play different dudes with different jobs, like assassin or wizard or druid or monkey or whatever the fuck. And uh, you're all trying to accumulate gold and points and power just like everybody else in the world and move your way up the top of the rat race to get the crown of something or other and kill your other fools. Okay, it plays in 72 days or less, and it plays one to five players. Maybe it's two to five players. You roll dice, you move around, you draw cards. It's pretty simple, actually, except for the fact that it ends up being complicated by the end, so you might as well be playing something like Descent. Anyway, kid, get the fuck out of my elevator. Perfect. <laughs> Summed it right up. So you didn't like it? Yeah, Talisman has a special place in my heart from really wanting to play it a lot as a kid. Um, in a lot of ways, I feel like there's a really great game buried in there. The problem is, even this time, we decided to play because it, it was a friend of mine named Sean Lynch's birthday, and he said, hey, I want to play Talisman again because we haven't played it in a long time. So, um, yeah, we, we played the, the Talisman with the most sped-up rules we possibly could find online. We leveled up basically every time we killed a monster. We only had to get to the end to win. We didn't have to kill everybody else. There was a million things we did to speed it up, and it still took three hours, and we were nowhere close to beating the game. Um, and, you know, we brainstormed ways to make it better, faster, giving the classes unique win conditions, things like that. Because it really is that fun replacement for D&D where you can play sort of a D&D-esque kind of game, but really have it be super beer and pretzel-y. But at the end of the day, you know, like you could, we could just be playing Imperial Assault or Descent if we really wanted to play something like that. You know, or we could be playing something way more casual. We could play Dungeon, you know, or something like that. So all in all, a fun experience. We were goofing off and having a good time. But uh, it's just not a great game. Yeah, the only thing I've heard of it prior to you bringing it up was it just has like a million expansions. I mean, it's no Machikoro. <laughs> I, I always find games like that too. If you're, if it's 10 years later and there's a million expansions, I'm so intimidated to even try to jump into that because where do you start do you start at the base game and then everyone's like oh that's like the kitty version because you don't know about blah 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 you know they fix so, that later yeah right oh yeah it's broken now but it, it, wait till you get to the seventh expansion well, well, wait a minute how much money do you have to spend on this game before it's actually playable i don't get it <laughs> i feel like if i was 10 years old if i could go back in time and i could own talisman and i was just me and my brothers or a couple friends and i you know there wasn't a million things going on in my life it would be an amazing game because i i remember at that age not wanting games to end wanting them to go on forever to keep playing them over and over and over again but in my life now i want to know exactly how long a game is going to take to play so i can fit it into my schedule and so i could see it being a total bonus for like a kid who just wants to sit at home on a saturday and play talisman with his brothers and sisters all day you Those know carefree days of summer exactly but it's a right. huge negative for me when a game is like just say it's 30 45 minutes nobody ever checks that shit 
<laughs> right? Uh, it's actually 30, 45 hours. Yeah. It can go on for infinity. There's no catch-up mechanism. <laughs> There's no, it, you know, um, sudden death. I, I was even like, what if we just blow up a tile every turn so the game board gets smaller and smaller? <laughs> what, Alan, what did you play? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we can ask Jeremiah, though, what he played. Uh, I've played a, several games recently, but I guess the most interesting one and probably the one that hasn't been talked about on this podcast, because I do listen to you guys, uh, is Tiny, Tiny Epic, Epic Western. Western. I knew you were going to say it. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got a hold of one of the prototypes, which it's kickstarting right now. And uh, Sell out. How much did they, they pay you to say? <laughs> they paid me uh, a free prototype copy with... <laughs> flimsy little boards and unfinished art and generic meeples that sounds like that the dream the, board game sounds right like there. a real piece uh, of shit i'm living the dream over here <laughs> you ready to get on the elevator for a tiny turn yeah let's do it all right i say we should make jeremiah a rootin' tootin' uh mining prospectors slash cowboy that's coming into town all right via elevator how does not that a, sound for you guys not a miner not a miner a prospector a prospector yeah isn't that kind of the same thing Kind of, but I always say a minor to Sean. Yeah. So that's yeah. like no, I, I got that joke. <laughs> the joke is I'm very you unoriginal. Just... <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've been waiting to say this, but SBJ, ding me. Yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm here to tell you about Tiny Epic Western. So it's this game for two to four players where you're trying to root and toot and shoot them up and take over a town. And you're going to have... You're going to have different uh, meeples, which they call posse members, and you put them out there. It's like a worker placement game. You put them out there on the board, and you get the actions and the resources from the places that you play them. But then when everybody's done placing them, everybody plays poker to see who wins all the different locations that are in play. If you win those locations, you get to buy buildings and gain industry icons. Those icons will earn you bonus points at the end of the game. It's a lot of fun with mixed up poker action inside a worker placement game. Woohoo! <laughs> Did I make well, it in time? That was so fun. I I could I was getting excited. I couldn't just <laughs> listen. You I did was make dancing it in time. around. It was it was crazy over here. It was mayhem. So yeah, it's actually it's it's really fun. Um of all the tiny epic games, it's the only one that's closest to like a pure Euro worker placement thing. Um, but this poker hand thing that's mixed in with it you everybody gets like a poker card every turn and then it there's poker cards surrounding each location so if you're there you're like trying to make your best sort of texas hold'em ish hand out of those locations and uh it, it was it was really fun the rule book you know it's a prototype rule book kind of made it it weighed us down a little bit going forward but once we we set it up and started playing we're like oh yeah this makes a ton of sense um and it it played super fast. It was about a 30 minute game. Let me ask, does it feel more like a poker game or more like a Euro worker placement game? Definitely more of a Euro worker placement game with that, that area control decided by poker. Do you think it bridges the gap at all? For instance, guys who like to get together for a poker night, would they ever consider like, why don't we try? No, Okay. no, it, the only thing that's close to that is the fact that you're dealt a quote unquote poker card, but the suits aren't even like actual playing card suits. It's like cowboy hats and cow skulls and stuff like that. 
So yeah, like the put the you in the drinking spot. poker dude. Yeah, go. Uh, do you know how much it is on Kickstarter? Because you said it was on Kickstarter right now. It's on Kickstarter. I want to say it's under twenty dollars. Okay. Um, typically, like typically the tiny Epic Games, if I recall, they're like twenty five retail and like sixteen or seventeen bucks Kickstarter pre you know pre sale. Uh, but that's that's an educated guess. Alan's actually looking it up right now. I'm trying to. I'm failing. <laughs> there it is. That's why we can't have nice things. And I know Adam McIver does a lot of the graphic design and stuff for it. And we're he recording did him to do some all stuff of for it. us. Yeah, he did all of it, which is a cool Ooh. thing. He said Adam McIver said he didn't just do the graphic design, but he did the illustration too. I will say uh, the artwork that we did get, um, a lot of it looked pretty finished. And it was pretty spectacular. It was really stunning. Very colorful, very very stylistic um in a good way uh the the kickstarter is 18 dollars for your base base set okay and there's like a a deluxe one for 24 Ooh, deluxe hey have you guys thought about doing like a deluxe nice russian championship with foam guns <laughs> foam guns <laughs> well the I'll interesting thing is now. they do have these bullet <laughs> dice that sean and i uh talked about should we get those because the cool thing is it's a six-sided die that's shaped like a bullet. But we thought, no, that's going to add to the component cost. But also, it doesn't really, even though thematically it kind of matches World Championship Russian Roulette, functionally it doesn't because the whole point is slamming down your bid in World Championship Russian right, Roulette. Right. And it's too easy for it to roll continually. That It's not as balanced. I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a balanced die, but it doesn't stay put as right, well as right, a regular it rolls a little too easy right um i will say if i could do a very short shameless plug uh we are interviewing michael co on theologyofgames.com it'll probably it'll be live on the on the site by the shut time up jeremiah <laughs> just go read it it's a quick read sean that feels amazing no wonder why you do it all the time <laughs> oh yeah i get such a buzz from it <laughs> well, stop so <anyway>. talking <laughs> Well, cool. I think I think that wraps up the segment. We can move on to interaction satisfaction. Howdy. It's time for interaction satisfaction. Shoot us your emails, your comments, or your questions. We'll do our best to answer them. Haven't heard that music in a while. Speaking of Western, yeah. Nice music. Am I right, Sean? You like that. Oh, yeah. You probably don't even know what the hell the interaction satisfaction intro music sounds like since you never listened to this podcast anyway. Of course I know what the music sounds like. <laughs> I want to hear your best impersonation since the listeners just heard it. Hum a couple bars. Hum, yeah, just do your impersonation. Interaction satisfaction. Pretty good. That's not bad. All right. All right. You passed close enough, I think. Passed. It'd be cool if you could edit that in like alongside the music, like from <laughs> the music. Um, it sounded almost like gorillas Clint Eastwood there at the first. <laughs> anyway. I love that song. Oh man. Yeah, let's not Classic. get on. Let's stay on topic. Me, stay on topic. Oh, Sorry. We'll talk about that forever. So, uh, Alan, I'm actually going to let you lead this a bit because you have pretty much all this satisfaction in front of you. Yeah. So the interesting thing is this. I got 
a lot of feedback from our previous episode all about journalistic integrity in the tabletop industry. And that's why Jeremiah is here. And this is going to lead into asking Jeremiah questions. (laughs) But the thing was, is that so many people wanted to remain anonymous because they would just send me these private messages. And I said, do you want me to say that on the show? And they said, well, don't use my name. So a lot of people wanted to remain anonymous. Some individuals actually wanted to call me, which is is amazing to me. Maybe it was because of convenience, but maybe they were scared of like actually typing it out somewhere. Big brother hacking your... Anyway, so I talked to some people on phone and then also uh, some individuals backed out where they said, yeah, you can do... Wait, no, no. Um, and the other thing is some of the information... I really want to kind of vet and fact check a lot too before I'd share, because the last thing I want to do is basically become that which we're criticizing because we're not a journalistic podcast, but it almost made me feel like we were becoming a journalistic podcast. Like, oh man, some people have some things to say about some instances, but it... (laughs) I definitely don't want to be known as like slander or a bully or calling someone specifically out. So I think I do though. (laughs) Yes. It's (laughs) SBJ has no problem with that. Yeah. Right. So I wouldn't want to do that. Um, So what, what I want to do is, you know, keep sending us feedback and uh, you know, we'll never share something that someone doesn't want to share. If they say, Hey, this is off the record. I, I wouldn't do that. So you can feel comfortable still sharing that with me, but I don't think I, I don't feel comfortable sharing it unless I know it's true. And I know that sounds bad, but I, I, don't, I just don't want to be, I guess, a gossip monger. Like supposedly some person heard that this person heard that this person said, da, 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 da. Right. I, Instead of Tuesday night games, you become TMZ. Right. Exactly. Tuesday night Z. <laughs> <laughs> Has a good ring to yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, I do have some listener feedback uh, that I can share. Um, and yeah, you guys ready for it? So just before you start. Please, um, yeah. Because our, our, our conversation last week was pretty heavy. and Yeah, it got deep. Got deep. And so you got a lot of feedback and a lot of stuff regarding that. And I think that's something we would want to come down to. Uh, come back to, I'm sorry. We would want to come back to that. We just want to... Uh, what Alan said not sound like super gossipy and maybe just fact check a little bit deeper um, instead of just taking an anonymous email and just reading it online or on air. Right. Uh, I will say this. It's really interesting that there is this fear involved because it was this can of worms. It was like, it's amazing that so many people like don't, yeah, don't, uh, uh, maybe I can do it anonymous. And uh, I even offered like, do you want to come on the podcast and we can try to alter your voice post edit? <laughs> uh, it was ridiculous that it got to that point. But Put I'm in bad lighting. It's because there's <laughs> something there. There's definitely something there uh, for sure. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And in the big in the board game industry, I think as a whole, we can be a little melodramatic as a culture, you know. And so I think, yeah. Definitely people get into this like kingdom building slash cloak and dagger mindset. Like, don't tell anybody I told you this. But well, I think it on their Kickstarter. It's like, who gives a shit? Yeah, I think <laughs> it's it gets down to it's a it's a creative industry. So creative people tend to have that 
that drama gene within them, whether it, <laughs> whether it comes out in their creativity or in the way they interact with people and that sort of thing. Living so, creatively. I think it's, uh, I, I think it's wise on your part. You know, I'm, I'm totally a, a dis, disconnected party in all of this, but I think it's probably a little bit of wisdom on your part to take a step back and, and come back to it. It's definitely something worth discussing, but um, go about it the proper way. And uh, like you said, not become the the thing you are criticizing. I think I'd be willing to share it if it was a firsthand account. If someone said, yeah, this happened to me. Sure. Uh, And if they were addressing someone specifically, and Sean, you brought this up, that we gave that person an opportunity to respond. Right. Like so-and-so didn't have a response to this. Talk to them in the room, not like this right offset conversation thing um, which is funny i never really thought about when you see a movie and they're like uh do you care to comment you know until i was like oh that gives everybody a chance to tell their side of the story and you're not just like regurgitating facts from one side and not you know what i mean because right even in conversations between like me and alan we can both have a conversation be present for that conversation and then come away with it for totally different interpretations of what happened in the room you know um, nobody's immune to it, even people who are on the same side. We should make a game about that. Yeah. Well, I really like Isaac <laughs> Vega's idea of coming up with a podcast that reviews reviewers because that just sounds so. I would good. love it. <laughs> so awesome. But yeah, how about now? Should I get to some of the feedback then? Yeah, yeah. Let's hear Let's it. Let's it. hear it. I'll give you one little one that I thought was really eloquent, and instead of saying anonymous, I will just say SBJ's neighbor's dog messaged me <laughs> Quite the and said. <laughs> the tragic thing is having such a big fish in such a small pond. There's no room for smaller fish to do anything but get devoured by the bigger fish. And I, this was in reference to that there are really big reviewers out there and that the small guys don't really have room to really thrive against this because it's, it's almost monopolized in a way. And no, it, just so we're clear, that wasn't Jeremiah that sent me that message. No, it wasn't. <laughs> okay. Uh, but that, that was definitely from a reviewer. It's like, you know, what kind of sucks is I feel that. But I, don't I feel your chance. pain, brother. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's go to some of the more lighthearted ones. Okay. So uh, I asked Matt Lees of Shut Up and Sit Down as well as some other great YouTube shows. I'm a big Matt Lees fan. Complete disclaimer. So (laughs) he uh, caught me on Facebook and he said uh, uh, regarding our podcast episode, he says, I think it's really interesting, but the case, the pace could do with being slightly faster could just be my taste. But I often feel like there are a lot of gaps between people saying stuff. Do you record over Skype? Either way, there's a cheat that can fix the post that can fix that in post grin emoticon. Uh, And then he goes on to talk about a function called diagnostics, which lets you search for every time there's a silence that's longer than a certain amount of time and automatically delete it. Needs careful tweaking to set the tool up so it doesn't make things too speedy. But if you get it right, it makes the conversation feel more dynamic. And as a bonus, makes everyone seem much, much smarter. So uh, and then he says, I think it probably does come down to personal taste. I just thought I'd share it as a tip as often people just leave gaps in because it's a ball ache to remove them. <laughs> Discovered otherwise last month, and it's been a bit of a revelation. I, I kind of try to summon Matt Lee's as That was I a, went good, on a good impression of Matt Lee. 
eventually i didn't start as matt lee's but yeah kind of ramped up into it mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. kind of wrapped up into it uh before you guys defend yourselves uh there was <laughs> it was a conversation he did say hey thanks for being receptive i i didn't want to come off as a dick uh but anyways um i asked if i could share that he said yeah sure yeah and i and i of course was defensive <laughs> but uh i do actually i do go through the entire episode so like last week's episode was a little longer than an hour and it took me two hours to go through and cut and edit and oh man yeah if, if, if the episode's a half hour it usually takes me an hour to edit because I, I i scrub the whole thing i normally leave a lot of gaps in just just because i, th- <laughs> I think the i think it's like when when i'm talking to a friend i'm not consistently talking all the time whereas if i'm listening to let's say something like this american life where it's almost orchestrated that way of course you're not going to really you're not going to get like a gap in talking because it's not actually how a person talks but it's more of a person like narrating something instead and i was at on my other podcast i was cutting every gap i was like oh my god we can't have any space and then when i went back and actually listened to it i was like it's almost like there's not a breather for the listener. Like the, the listener can't breathe themselves because it's just one after another. So uh, I do purposely leave certain like gaps in there and stuff. But that it's it, he, you're right. It is like style, and because I've noticed some podcasts sound like ours, where there's you know gaps, and then there's you can tell a podcast that's not edited at all because there will be very long gaps or there would be like a like um uh do do like almost like a, i'm wasting time to move to the next thing and i'm not going to cut that out so uh hopefully no one thinks we fall in that spectrum but yeah well we talked about this because if you listen to the holiday spectacular i cut out almost all silences and it totally is obvious i mean it does sound unnatural it sure is it, yeah it's <laughs> And you can totally tell. In fact, that's what I told Matt Lee's style taste. But I want to hear what Sean has to say. Um, it's just uh, like, um, you know, you try to make a podcast and uh, they get it. But I will defend you, SBJ, because... I do like your style and I think it's a good mix. So if we have another holiday break, I'll come back with a holiday spectacular and I think people can listen to the difference. And I know from recording the podcast that you do definitely cut down silences and cut down some, and you do a great mix of making it feel natural. So I think it's almost a compliment that people think you don't cut out the silences because you definitely do. So I think that is a compliment in a very strong way. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, no problem. Plus, you do all the work on this podcast, and you just show up and just <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So I'd be damned if I'm just going to be like, yeah, you suck, SBJ. You need to start stepping up your game. Can you scrub it again? <laughs> Thrice, um, sir. Thrice you must scrub. What, what other... Uh, See what P- I mean? That's a hard PG-13 right there. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he's being dirty, but he's probably not. Um, I, I didn't think I was being dirty. I don't know. <laughs> See, okay. that's exactly what I'm talking about. What? Uh... So, uh, what else I got was a lot of guys, uh, and they're all guys, <laughs> backing uh, me up with my shock at movies. For instance, 
I had Mike Alec. He messaged me. I'm right there with you about Quigley. I'm amazed Sean and SBJ don't know it. And Robin Hood? Jesus, they haven't seen any of the great movies from the 80s to mid-90s. In your defenses, I did say, they did see Die Hard. He's like, well, yeah, okay. Shane Allen said, this episode got me fired up. I don't think that was in reference to you guys not knowing the <laughs> movies, but maybe it was. Maybe it was about... But we're just putting it under that header. We're just putting it on to piss you guys off. This is what I love. I love people who are like 10 years older than me and who are like, I can't believe you didn't see all the movies that came out when I was a child. It's not like these people are like film buffs. Like, talk to me about the Ingmar Bergman and the Kurosawa movies you watched and the Carl Theodore Dreyer movies. But it's like, hey, you didn't see that movie that was on cable all the time when I was a kid and it just happened to watch because it was on TV. Blows my mind sometimes. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Did that break up for you too, SBJ. A little bit, but it's it, good. It'll be so good. <laughs> yeah. Edit that out, SBJ. We don't want to hear Sean anyway. Yeah, I mean, I said ran out of there. We, we what's, yeah, what's yeah. that all about? Kurosaka. I mean, come on. <laughs> Shockles on Twitter says at Alan Girding. Loved your last Tuesday night podcast. Can't believe the others didn't know the movies you brought up. Hilarious. I saw Jurassic Park. Figure out what hilarious means. Look, I watch Schindler's List every day. I know what good movies are. <laughs> no. You must be really depressed. You know, it's just really interesting because <laughs> I was really surprised that you hadn't seen Alan Rickman movies, Sean, because you and I have a very strong movie relationship. I would say that was one of the things that really bonded us early in our relationship because I think we are movie snobs and we do talk a lot about directors and Coen brothers and Behind closed doors, we do share our shock at how some people just don't get some movies that are so obviously beautiful and like Inception. Required. Yes, <laughs> that was seriously. All right, I know we're gonna get ire for this, but this was one. This was probably the moment, as pathetic as it sounds, when I realized, oh my goodness, I love Sean McCoy. <laughs> it was. I asked him. We're talking about movies, and I said, "So, what did you think of Inception?" And I have to totally admit, it was a very shallow booby trap. And I've I've grown since then. I do my best not to judge people solely based upon their movie <laughs> taste. And Sean said, "Fucking hate that movie." I was like, "We're gonna be best friends." Did we just become best friends? So <laughs> why what? Did- what did you hate about it so much? Oh, what did you time. like about we it? Just, that's, I mean, let's, that's what you're, we don't have time. That's true. Well, I mean, and here's the thing. Like I saw it once on DVD. Like I'm not like, Oh, it was the best movie ever. Like, like so was, many people are right. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it's not like I'm singing. It's praise. I'll just say that. Okay. Yeah. So my question would be reverse it around. And usually for some reason, anyone, someone tries to explain to me why inception is so good. They can't do it without sound effects or noises. No, <laughs> was I was like, uh, and then there was uh, that sounds like, exactly. This- I, I guess my my very short answer, and we can move on from this, but my very short answer would be the concept was very unique and I hadn't seen that done in film before. And here's my reply to that. The concept was unique, Matrix. but what they could have done so much more. And yeah, Sean's right. Have you ever seen the Matrix? Well, the Matrix is we need a SBJ, rein us in, man. Be a host. My dreams aren't the internet, Sean. Tell us to shut up, SBJ. I just plan on cutting all this. Um, Alan, next time you see, uh, next time you see Irene, that's uh, Inception is her favorite movie, so you should ask her. Yes. Um, oh, but, this is gonna be great. Oh, no, Irene. But, but I'm, again, posi- I'm, I'm positive. I can that, still be friends with Irene. That she will respond with. <laughs> she will respond with that. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
hundred <laughs> percent. So what do you think about uh, Howard the Duck? Uh, anyway, so but let's leave the last bit. How about we just move on to the last one? Because Jeremiah Isley, in response to our podcast about journalist integrity, said. Uh, hey, why don't you have me come be on the podcast and we can talk about journalistic integrity? Um, no, I thought... And we said, nah, <laughs> nah. <laughs> said, that guy. You just do a crazy cowboy voice and we'll be, we'll be good. No, it, uh, it was an interesting conversation. One that definitely hit home for me because it's, it's not what I do. It's something I do. I'm, I, I don't get paid to review games and, and do the, the, uh, the website and all that. Uh, but it is something that I enjoy doing, and it's interesting to me because you guys talked about, hey, there's uh, there's there's public or there's reviewers that are taking large amounts of money from publishers, and the the landscape is pretty bleak in in terms of making money as a reviewer. Like, what do you do? You're kind of down to selling ad space essentially, and that's that's very true. Um, there's not a large revenue stream out there for folks who are in the, the reviewing business um, or the publishing business. Let me tell you, <laughs> but you at least have a product that you can say, Hey, if you give me 25 or $30, I'll give you this box of cards that we made. Whereas I can say, Hey, we get ah, I a, <laughs> right. We get a decent amount of traffic every now and then. So if you give us a few bucks, we'll put a banner on our site. And that's, that's about that. So it's uh, it's a fine line, too, because as we're standing here, I'm good friends with Alan, who's a publisher. I'm also a reviewer, and I've reviewed your your sole published game at this point. Let it be known pay for on his top 10 of the year list. Thank you very much. It, it came in at number three on my my top 10 of list of Boom. 2015, which is the only top 10 list we publish in a year. Um. <laughs> So where does that balance come in of, hey, I'm a, I'm a good friend with publishers and there's, you'll hear the more you go to like gaming conventions and the more you dig in with the gaming industry, a lot of people use the word community. The, the gaming community is this, everybody knows everybody, there's not much competition, everybody's helping everybody out. Brothers kissing brothers. Sure, if you want to go there. Uh, but there's, <laughs> but there's that community thing. So the integrity comes in and I think we, we said before we started recording, Hey, what, what do you want? What do you not want us to ask you? And I said, you can ask me anything. I'm an open book. And I think that's where the integrity comes in is yeah, I'll review your game. But if you look anytime on the site that I, I mention two rooms in a boom or anytime on our podcast that I mention it, I always take a second or a paragraph or whatever it is to disclaim the fact I'm good friends with Alan. I know Sean pretty well. I know these guys. Regardless, here is my objective view of the game. But just know where I'm coming from because I don't want you, I don't want to write some glowing review of a game and then somebody come to find out, oh, well, he knows so-and-so and they're really good friends and they hang out and they play games together. And then every other review that I've written is cast, is has been tainted, is, has been put in that kind of light. So uh, like I said, I, I try to just keep an open book and people know who I know and, and to what degree, at least I do my best. So one thing I want you to talk about before I jumps in is some people may complain, well, you're biased because movie reviewers 
don't get paid. They don't get to see free movies necessarily, but you get free games. And I think that's really important to be clear because why should you uh, pick, pick it up from there? Because I think this yeah. is important. So the whole idea of, Hey, publishers give out review copies and it's, that's well known. People get review copies all the time for their sites and whatnot. If I'm going to see a movie, the the time that it takes me to go see a movie is, you know, the hour and a half to two hours that I'm going to watch that movie. I'll take notes while I'm doing that and I'll write up an article afterwards. And all said and done, you're you're looking at what, maybe like four hours tops, maybe a little longer if you're being really in depth in your review. Uh, whereas when you're reviewing a game, the idea is, hey, you're going to give me this game that I'm going to have to sit down and read the rules. Hopefully I understand them the first time and I don't have to contact you for clarifications, but I probably will depending on if we're talking prototype or, or whatnot. And then I have to convince one to two to three to four other people that it's a good idea to sit down and play this game with me, teach it to them, hope that they understand it, take all the time that it takes to do that. Uh, and, not only do that once, but usually multiple times before I can actually sit down and write up a review, which takes full amount of time too, because we, when we do our, our reviews on the site, we also do a very descriptive review where we describe gameplay and components and, and game turns and, and turn order and, and all the phases of the game. And then here are my thoughts on this game. So when I'm taking a, a game from you, I'm saying, hey, I'm committing 10 to 12 hours at least to this game. And the only thing that I'm getting out of it is hopefully traffic because your game might be popular enough that people want to actually read that review. And this game that if it's good, I will play again in the future. That's a very fair assessment. <laughs> Well, let me That's ask kind of you the this risk thing. everybody takes when they play a game, though, right? It's true, yeah. Sure, but I would venture to say that most people, when they, when they get a game, they're buying it because they're interested and they're excited in it, which typically I, we don't accept a review of a game that we're like, we're going to hate this, don't, don't give it to us. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then they're not going to, in turn, take that time to really sit down and think it over and write emails for clarifications and and then sit down and write a full descriptive review of it as well but you're right i mean there is that risk in anybody that plays a game the buy-in's a lot greater than other industries as well though because if you were to buy those games on your own you're looking at oh absolutely a lot of money there are thousands of dollars worth of games sitting on my shelf that there's no way i would have been able to afford to write reviews of because it, I mean, most most big box games, you're talking a minimum of 60 bucks a pop. I think the people listening to this podcast appreciate how expensive games are. But let me get to the meat and potatoes. Yeah. Jeremiah. I'm going to give you a free copy of Two Rooms and a Boom. Okay. For you to review. But That's also, awesome. I want to buy some ad space on your website. Okay. And also, even though you're only going to charge me how much money for ad space, I don't know. You don't have to tell me. Okay. I'm also going to give you... A couple thousand more dollars with the understanding of you're going to give us a pretty fair review. <laughs> uh, first of all, has that ever happened? Has anyone approached you? And if not, if it would happen, what would your response be? I would like to think 
that publishers think that highly of us to try to buy our opinion, uh, but it hasn't happened. <laughs> that that has not happened. Uh, you know, to be honest, I'm human. It would give me pause. I would think a couple thousand dollars would be really nice. We could really upgrade the site. We could upgrade the podcast. I could justify to my wife the time that I'm spending on the podcast and the website. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're making money. I think, and, and I think that the good thing about what, in my particular case, is I Theology of Games is a partnership. It's myself and, and my buddy, Scott, who lives in, in Colorado. And we both are very, very conscious of, of our ethics and our integrity. And even if I said, deal, let's do it, you know, if I just went off the rails, we've given each other the permission to kind of like slap each other around and say, whoa, 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 let's pump the brakes here. Um, do we ever do that to each other, Sean? <clears throat> pump the brakes? Yeah. I feel like we're full brake pumping mode. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. I've got to tell you, if I let Sean do anything that he wanted to, and if Sean hadn't pumped the brakes on me, we would have been a disaster, man. Sure, sure. A disaster. So I think that helps. But I, I mean, obviously, the temptation would be there to do it. But I, I couldn't look myself in the mirror and say, hey, this is a serious review site if we, if we took money for our opinion. You guys have any other questions? I would if we hadn't spent so much time talking about movies and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, I do have one last one. Do you think... What would be the appropriate response if someone did buy ad space? Do you think then you owe the listeners, readers, whatever it is, justification? Like, hey, just so you know, uh, this company does buy ad space. Uh, I think we do. I, I will say, and I, I guess I should have led with this. We do sell from time to time a little bit of ad space. It's probably been six months since we actually sold some space. So there's like this really old Kickstarter ad on the site right now. I think... I think to a degree, some of that is expected where, you know, and we're pretty open about that too. Like we make enough money on our ad space to cover server space and site maintenance fees and, and that kind of stuff. We're not pocketing cash here. You know, it's, it's gear for the podcast. It's, it's, but you mentioned that you're friends with me before you review it and you're financially friends if for lack of a better sure. term with people buying ad space sure and i'm we, just thinking where's where's the line where well i think first of all if anybody had an issue with hey, the fact hey you're selling ad space uh we would we would definitely make a bigger concerted effort to disclaim hey we reviewed these games and they've also bought ad space from us before in the past so yeah, uh, I don't know where that line is. Like, I don't know what the dollar amount is where you ha- need to put a disclaimer. You have to say, "Hey, here's the disclaimer." Should we just then, as consumers, understand that reviewers are taking some money with their ad space? Uh, I think so. I mean, I think if you look at any kind of magazine out there or any- is publishing reviews, they're most likely in some way taking advertising money from the products or the material that they're reviewing whether that goes directly to the reviewer or how that works is probably a bit blurred but i <clears throat> excuse me i think it's uh i think it's fair to say that that's the only way that reviewers are going to get any type of little bit of sustaining financial 
revenue to make that happen. We should wrap this thing up. Yeah, we're probably over time. SPJ, I've probably ruined. Oh, we're in an hour. Damn it! That's oh. yeah. I decide. That's fine. Damn yeah, I, I don't have any outstanding questions. I think you asked a couple harder ones, Alan. Uh, and I pre- appreciate Jeremiah for being on and answering those. Honestly. Yeah, I'm like sweating over here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I would suppose, though, if our listeners had any questions or feedback, uh, obviously we can't guarantee when Jeremiah would be able to come back or, or if, if um, your questions would be directly at him. But if you have questions regarding the topic, uh, you can email us at podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. That's our email address. Night with a K. Night with a K. Night with a K. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I would say... Anytime that you guys want to have me on, give me a day's notice or so to make sure that I can make it happen. But I'm always glad to jump. We'll, on we'll get guys. right on that, right, SBJ? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Day's <laughs> notice, got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's totally cool. Um, Where can they find you, SBJ? Oh my gosh, Dragon a Lake. <laughs> uh, that's where you can find me on Twitter, and then you can follow the podcast on Twitter. It's at Tuesday Night Games, but no day. In that Twitter handle is silly, silly Twitter handle. <laughs> I tried a lot. We went over it a lot back when we first got it, and it was the best thing we could think of. But I mean, again, the easiest thing anyway. is just search Tuesday Night Games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Alan, where can they find you? You can find me on Facebook. I re- accept any friend request because I'm so lonely. Uh, my name's Alan Girding, A L A N G R Ding D I N G, and I'm on the tweets. At Alan Girding. And Sean? Can't find me, motherfucker. I'm off the grid. <laughs> <laughs> if you want my Twitter handle, you'll have to listen to another episode. That would explain your uh, call quality today. <laughs> off the grid. There'll be a disclaimer at the beginning at the, in the show notes. Um, and Jeremiah, where can our listeners find you? Uh, look for me at theologyofgames.com. It's also at theologyofgames on Twitter and Instagram. And I think there's a Pinterest. Shut up, Jeremiah! Somewhere. But anyway, and it, just look for Theology of Games and you'll find us all over the internet. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you all for being on. And yeah, I guess this episode is... <laughs> the funny thing is, it actually did distort a little bit, Sean. Ha, ha, ha.